You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and you're about to hear me massively mispronounce the subject of this entire episode. You're also about to hear why the world's oldest health system shouldn't ever go into retirement. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. This episode is sponsored by my BFF's Amazing Grass, who just became even more amazing by launching some new, awesome, I mean, amazing stuff. Elixirs. Elixirs is kind of a hot word being thrown around the healthy product marketing town. So if you're wondering, the true definition of an elixir is a magical or medicinal potion. So Amazing Grass is three new organic medicinal potions, which come in packets or tubs as per their usual, are crafted to support your beauty, your brain, and your belly. No, not all at once. I'm a personally humongo fan of their brain potion, I mean elixir, which has my beloved matcha in it, plus my also beloved maca, among a bunch of other carefully chosen ingredients which work together to keep your focus in check. Ah, but I'm also a humongo fan of their belly elixir, which I've been especially going to town on since it has probiotics in it and I've weirdly misplaced my probiotics in my home. To take Amazing Grass to the next level of amazingness, they're offering Party in My Plants podcast listeners 40% off. Yes, 40%, not some measly 10%, 40% off your Amazing Grass orders if you go to their website, amazinggrass.com, and use coupon code PLANTPARTY40 at checkout. That's PLANTPARTY40 at checkout on amazinggrass.com. And all that info is also linked in the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 50. Today's guest is bringing something back. But unlike Justin Timberlake, sexy isn't what it is. It's Ayurveda, the world's oldest health system. Sahara Rose discovered, well, kind of rediscovered, Ayurveda when she wasn't feeling all that great. And she used its tools and principles to help her feel better than great. Now she's on an awesome mission to help make Ayurveda mainstream, starting with this here podcast episode. Because let's be real, the party in my plants podcast is as mainstream as it gets, yo. (laughs) You might be wondering why I keep saying mainstream, but once you hear in this chat that the words used in Ayurveda to describe ailments are things like too much wind or not enough fire, you'll understand why Sahara's job isn't necessarily a simple one. Thank you so much for coming on the Party of My Plants podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Talia. I cannot wait to dive in and talk all about Ayurveda, which some people by the title of this might think it's pronounced Ayurveda, but the R is silent. Is that correct? No, it's actually Ayurveda what? with an R. I think yeah. it's Ayurveda. I've been saying that forever. No, Ayurveda. O-M-G. <laughs> some people pronounce the V as a W because in Hindi, V is W, so they say Ayurveda, so that can confuse people. Or And maybe it's like the accent, you didn't hear the R, but it is Ayurveda. Okay, well, we will yeah. not delete that, and we'll just keep that in and show me looking like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so Ayurveda, okay, we now know how to pronounce it. What the heck does it even mean? 
Yeah, that's the same question I had when I first heard of it. Um, <laughs> I actually first heard of it when I did IIN, the Institute of Integrative hmm. Nutrition. I don't know, a lot of probably your listeners and other guests have done it, but it was one of the chapters and I was like, what is this? And it was like, it's the system of health based on taking a personality quiz. I was like, well, I love personality quizzes. Yeah. So, um, Who so I took it <laughs> and it was like, basically tells you what foods to eat according to like how you feel and how you act in this world, which I thought was like really intriguing because it kind of merged my two loves of like nutrition and psychology. Mm. And that was sort of my entry point to it. And then the more and more I learned about it, the more I saw it's not just a personality quiz. It's actually the world's oldest health system that all health systems are based off of, including traditional Chinese medicine. Right. So it is the first ever health system that started over 5,000 years ago. So like 5,000 years ago is like way before Jesus or Buddha or like anyone. <laughs> and um, it's a consciousness system of health. So it includes the mind, the body, the personality all the seasons, the environment. It's mm -hmm. like everything is interconnected. So every food that you put into your body affects you on an energetic level. Mm -hmm. So it's not even the difference between like calories and fats. It's like actually the qualities of that food and eating certain, certain foods not only can heal your body from physical ailments, but also from mental ones too. So the wow. more I learned and deep dived into that, I experienced differences, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, my, my personality shifted. Like I, my whole life I had like insomnia. I was never able to sleep. I was finally able to sleep my whole life. I've been a multitasker doing things all the time, like always in a rush that changed literally just from implementing the Ayurvedic things in my lifestyle. And the word Ayurveda means knowledge of life, meaning to have health, you must have complete knowledge of your whole life. Wow. That's awesome. I love that you said it's a system of healing. That's a really cool, I just like the word system. You know, uh -huh. it's not like a quick fix or even, you know, just one aspect of healing. It's a whole system, which makes it sound just very complete. Totally. The more and more I learn into it, it, it you could spend a lifetime learning about it and there's still more and more to learn. And I'm like, wow, this makes sense on such an intuitive level. Like things that you've always thought of, but you've never really like put into words. Like Ayurveda has it like written down. Is this a weird question to ask you? Can you give me an example of that? Like right off the top? Like, okay. So let's say after you have a smoothie or an acai bowl, mm -hmm. you like kind of, it's like, you're really full, but like something and you still want something sweet, yes. you know, it's like you're, cause your body's cold. You're like cold. So like, I remember I would go to this place beaming and I would get an acai bowl and afterwards I like needed the cookies. Like I really needed them. I didn't feel mm. complete until I had them. I'd have one. I'd want a second one. I would eat like three cookies in a row. Granted, if I had probably just started with the cookies, I would have been full from that. But since I had the acai bowl, my body was cold. My internal organs were cold. So they craved something warming like almond butter mm -hmm. to balance that out. So I had to, I, that's why a lot of us, when we eat something cooling, like if we just eat salads all the time or even fish it has really cooling properties, we crave chocolate after. Mm. And it's our body trying to self-regulate itself. Wow. That is very yeah. intuitive and obvious in hindsight, and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. So you discovered Ayurveda and you deep dived in and did you ever think like, why is this not more relevant today? I think most people have heard of it, and I'm sure we use principles of it in our current life. But as a whole system, as you were describing, it's not like the thing right now. For sure. I mean, I totally understood why it's not. It's confusing. Okay. Like, 
the when I was like, there, there are all these Sanskrit words. I feel like I'm in a yoga class. Like, what <laughs> is going on? And also, I was not digging the suggestion. So when I discovered it, I was a raw vegan, which oh. is probably the opposite of Ayurveda. So uh-huh. I was just eating fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, lots of smoothies and salads, no oil, like a raw vegan. Mm-hmm. I would eat a lot of fruits and stuff. And also this was like six years ago when like that whole like high carb, low fat raw vegan thing was like way more in than it is now. Uh-huh. Um, so I was following that and then I took the quiz And then I was like, wow, this really resonates with me. But then the suggestions were like, eat ghee and lentils and (laughs) rice for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not feeling that. So I was like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. It only makes sense if you lived in ancient India. No wonder no one follows this. But my own health started deteriorating. So at the beginning, when I was a raw vegan, I felt really great. I felt really energized. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, I can do anything. (laughs) And then over time, started to feel just really cold, like not normal cold, like down to my bones. Like I was like shivering in bed, like I was like stuck on top of Mount Everest or something like that kind of cold. And I was in Boston. I grew up in Boston, so I was used to it. But suddenly I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. Later on, I've learned because the foods I was eating were like coconuts and pineapple, which works if you live in Jamaica, but does not work if you live in Boston, where it's like Antarctica. Right. So my body was so cold. And in Ayurveda, cold body is actually what creates all sorts of health problems later on because your digestion is like a fire. They call it the Agni, which literally means fire. Hmm. So when that fire is shut out, your digestive system is in charge of everything else. So my menstruation stopped for almost two years, Whoa. like no, no period at all. Um, I started injuring myself extremely easily, like throwing out my hip, my ankles, Oof. my shoulders, everything. Um, I lost over 25 pounds. Like I became so, so, so thin, like scary thin. Mm-hmm. And my hair was falling out. I lost my glow. Like all of these things were happening to me. But in my head, I was like, no, I would research it online. And a lot of these like raw vegan forums were like, oh, like losing your period is like part of the process. It's actually like really healthy. It means you're like at the ultimate level of being cleansed. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, I wanted to believe it so badly because it made so much sense to me. If you cook your food, they're dead and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't eat dead food. Right. But I wasn't listening to the symptoms of my body that was literally shutting down. It was literally malnourished. Um, So I had been traveling to India at that time, not for Ayurveda because I was volunteering in India and I was still a raw vegan in India. Wow. Which is like weird. Yeah. You were able to be a raw vegan in India? Oh, I had to go through great lengths, but I was able to do it. I mean, I would just like a lot of days I would just eat coconuts because that was the only thing I had. But I would like go to farms and like get the food and like do this, had to do this whole long cleaning process. I was really dedicated to the raw vegan Sounds way. Sounds like it. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, Oh, while I'm in India, it could be a really cool, like cultural experience to go to one of these like Ayurveda people thinking it's like a psychic or an astrologer or something like really you didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I knew what it was, but I was never expecting to actually take anything she said seriously. I thought it would just be like a fun, cool cultural uh-huh. experience. Okay. And then she took my pulse and told me um, that my body my was shutting down. My digestive fire was extremely weak. Like she couldn't even feel my pulse. And if I continued this way, I would be infertile. Like as of then, I oh, was infertile. Um, osteoporosis. Oh, how old were you? I was 21. Wow. Yeah. Um, osteoporosis, 
Oh, and Alzheimer's. That was the other thing what? she wanted to be. Yeah. At 21, she was mentioning that. It wasn't going to happen to me immediately, yeah. but later in my life. Right. And now that I know this, these are all Vata-related disorders, which was the imbalance I had. Wind, too much wind in my system, air and, and space elements. So that was like a wake-up call to me because I was like, oh my God, this isn't about like losing weight or having nice skin or anything. It's like I'm actually destroying my body because of this belief that I have. Mm. So I was like thinking, how can I include some of her suggestions into my lifestyle, but still keep it vegan at least? Okay. Because a lot of like ghee and like paneer they use in a lot of Indian foods. And I just, I just didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I started to eat like quinoa and like cook my vegetables and, you know, try to just do little switches like that. And immediately my body was responding. Like I was so much better, so much more nourished, like life, life force. Oh, just was the meaning of literal like life force energy was coming back to me. So that's when I saw like, wow, these suggestions actually work. Now imagine if I listened to more of them and I started including more and more, and then I start decided to study Ayurveda. And that moment I knew it was like this instinctual feeling of, I need to write some sort of book to make these suggestions approachable for the everyday person who's not going to go through the extremes of going to India and like suffering health problems themselves. I need to create some sort of system to blend in ancient Ayurvedic health wisdom with modern nutritional science. Yes. Amen. Thank you for doing that because I mean, I have learned, I've taken like quizzes about my types and I understand vaguely, briefly, like what Ayurveda is all about, the different elements. And we'll dive into that in a sec, but I've always felt very turned off by it because it gets very confusing. There's like many different elements to, you know, that all keep in mind and it's just, and it's a little, I mean, arguably like kind of woo woo. Like you're talking about wind in your body. And I think in our modern time, we're all like, what what the hell are you talking about? Wind? I have too much wind in me. Like, you know, so I think it's, it's really cool that you are making it cool and modern and approachable because clearly if it's been around for how long did you say? 5,000 years? 5,000 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something to it, you know, like clearly. So I guess it just needed an update and that was you. For sure. And even something like wind. Okay. So it might seem weird to you to have wind in your body. What does it mean if someone let some wind out? What does that mean? I guess farts. They farted. Exactly. If you have too much like wind, too much air in your system, you're, you're farting, you're mm. bloating. So really you've experienced it before. It sounds weird when you're like thinking of literally wind or a Mm. fire, but if someone has too much wind or air in their systems, they're gassy, they're farting. If someone's too cold and dry, what's their poop going to be like? It's going to be constipated. So it's like actually also like super, super simple. But I think like we're just so not used to using terminology described as nature to describe our body. So true. So true. So let's talk about some, you know, of this stuff a little bit deeper. I know that they're a major component to Ayurveda are the doshas, not to be confused with yummy food, doshas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what are the doshas? So the doshas are basically the three mind-body types. They're like the three energies that Ayurveda constantly relates to. So vata, which was the one I was imbalanced in, it's comprised of air and space. I just call it wind. Just whenever you think of windy qualities, like like what do you when you think of the wind, what do you think? Like in the world? Yeah, in the world. Cold. Yeah. I don't know, like uncomfortable. I hate wind. Wind is probably my least 
uh, favorite element of all time. So just from that, we know that you have high vata. Really? Yes. I mean, every time I've taken one of the Ayurveda quizzes, I'm always like vata to the 10th degree. So if you can't stand the wind, then you have high vata for sure, because it gets bothered by it. Mm. So yeah, the wind is unpredictable. You never know what direction the wind is going to blow. And it's here, it's there. Sometimes it's strong. Sometimes it's weak. So that's vata. It's just unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So if you have an unpredictable mind, you probably on the pro side, you're really creative, you're artistic, you're always thinking of new ideas, you're a visionary, you're a big picture person. Like I like to think of like Steve Jobs energy. He's like super vata. Mm. Now in the body, cold, dry, unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So cold digestifier. So they have a hard time digesting foods. You know, they might easily get stomach aches or digestive issues, get bloated, get gassy, get constipated. So Mm -hmm. these are all vata related physical issues. Um, And then also just sometimes they're really hungry. Sometimes they're not. It's just, there's no routine. There's no predictability. Right. So that's vata. Okay. Then pitta is fire. Yep. So what's like a fiery person? Like if you're like, oh, so-and-so is super fiery. It's just very intense. Yeah. And maybe easily aggravated. Mm-hmm. And then internally, I feel like someone might be drawn to having heartburn or I don't know what else internally. No, you. You, you nailed it. That's what a pitta is. They are fierce. They're determined. They're strong-willed. But at the same time, they get angry and irritable. And when they're hungry and they don't get food, like they get hangry as heck. Like you need to feed them. That's a pitta. And in the body, acidity, exactly what you said. Too much fire is going to lead to too much acid in the system, which will lead to heartburn, which will lead to ulcers, anything with too much acid. And then also just feeling hot all the time physically. Mm-hmm. Like so, so, Especially a lot of men are high in pitta. They're just like hot all the time they're like my boyfriend he's like always sweating I'm like it's cold but his pitta is just so high that they're just always needing to cool down and pitta is the energy in charge of digestion anything's transformation in the body so any toxins go through pitta go through transformation so if you have high toxicity levels your pitta will naturally go up too and that's why when you're like eating a lot of bad foods and stuff you tend to get hot more easily right totally so do we have all the elements and well okay let's talk about the last one kapha first and then yes so kapha is the earth one so what is like an earthy person like like she's such an earth mama oh my sister she just down to i mean i would just say down to earth like really calm and i just know from knowing a little about ayurveda the kaphas are usually kind of like the couch potatoes i feel like that's how they've been described to me in the past they're just like slow speaking and kind of slow thinking and just kind of like not easily excitable, right? Totally. Exactly. So they have lots of grounding energy. So for the pro, they are able to like hold space for everyone else, like make sure everyone else is okay. They're like the friend that everyone comes to when they have a problem and they're like the shoulder everyone can lean on. They're like, it's okay. I say they have grandmother energy. (laughs) They're like always just giving and providing and just like the earth, like the earth gives us food and water and shelter. The earth is like always giving and it's never asking. It's Mm. just in this constant state of providing. And that's what kapha is. So people who have kapha personalities are 
providers. Naturally, they're very motherly and nurturing. Mm. Then in the body, too much earth can lead to too much density, feeling stuck. So they tend to gain weight the most easily because mm-hmm. their body literally holds on to food, holds on to calories more. And they tend to not really want to like exercise and like be all over the place. Right. They like to take it slow and chill. But at the same time, they're the least likely to get sick. And they have the strongest endurances because their bodies hold on to so much great strength and energy. If there's like a marathon, like the vata will like sprint at the beginning and like burn out and like fall on the floor. Like the pitta is going to like turn into like a competition, be like timing it and like checking where everyone else is. And the kapha is slow and steady, but will win the race. Nice. Go kaphas. Yeah. So, and your next question, do we have all three? Yes. Totally. We all have all three. So part, like, I'm sure people who are listening to this are like, well, I kind of relate to this and mm-hmm. I used to be like that. So we are born with a set amount. It's like in our huh. DNA. So it's like our horoscope. It doesn't change. Kind of. Let's say you have green eyes and blonde hair and whatever characteristics, and you tend to naturally gain weight in your hips and whatever your body is. Okay. That's like part of your doshic constitution. Okay. So it's just it's just your genetic makeup, not really oh. like astrology, which is like you're not really sure if it's accurate or not. Because Ayurveda was a lead medical system, like surgery comes from Ayurveda. Wow. So it's okay. actually an extremely scientific system that every single issue can be related back to one of these doshas. Hmm. So that's in your DNA that you were born with. Some of us are more naturally vata, pitta, kapha, but we all have all three, just okay. varying amounts. All right. Then our lifestyle can shift those. Oh. What do you mean by shift them? So let's say your diet is really, you eat a lot of raw foods. Mm -hmm. It's cold, it's dry. So your vata is going to go up. So if I already am naturally, you know, higher in vata, and then I go on a raw diet, which I was on for actually six months, but it's a whole other story. Um, Am I aggravating my vata or am I like, you know, taking it up a notch? Like what happens? If you have very high vata and you're low in the other two elements and you go on a raw diet, yeah, your body will go out of balance. But if you have enough pitta and kapha that you're able to handle it, then you'll be okay. Hmm. But for example, like for me, I was already really high in vata, then that really imbalanced my vata. I had every single vata related imbalance. So with Ayurveda, really what you address is the imbalance because different Mm -hmm. things can go out of balance at different points of your life. So in your younger years, we're all naturally a bit more kapha because we're like building our bodies for the rest of our lives. So that's why kids, they always get like sniffles and mucusy, which is a kapha imbalance. Mm -hmm. And kids naturally like tend to store like chubby, like baby fat. It's like to protect their joints. Mm -hmm. So kids are all naturally a bit more kapha than in your middle ages, we all get a naturally a bit more pitta because we're like, you know, it's like a stress time. Like you're trying to find your job and your spouse and this and that. It's like a lot of pressure you're constantly doing. Then in our later years, we all naturally get more vata because our bodies dry out. They get wrinkly. Our bones become a little bit more fragile. So we naturally tend to have the vata related issues. So that's like from a life cycle perspective, Mm -hmm. but it also changes seasonally. Like in the summer times, it's more hot. So we all naturally get more pitta in the fall when it's more cold and dry. We naturally get more vata in the spring where it's cool and wet, we naturally get more kapha. So there's all of these amazing cycles. And when you tune into those, you never need to seek outside of yourself for the answers. Again, you can just like look at your body and like see how you're feeling and what season it is. And you know exactly what it is you need to eat. So how do we know if we're imbalanced? So things are showing up for you. So if you have 
I mean, a digestive issue, a skin problem, a anxiety, depression, any sort of issue, you look at what dosha that's the imbalance of, mm. and then you address that dosha. So in my book, I list all of them. Sure. And on my website too, I have like a quiz that people can take and it will assess their dosha right now. So I noticed a lot of online quizzes, they give you one just overarching answer. Like you're just a vata. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I kind of relate to this. I kind of don't. And it's like, that makes you not believe in Ayurveda. Totally. So yeah. So with my quiz, it's the only quiz on the internet that has separated the results between the mind and the body. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Because it's not traditionally done in Ayurveda. But for me, I related so much to a certain, like I was much more vata in my mind, but not really in my body. I'm not really like a skinny, lanky person. Mm. So which one do I follow? What's the answer? (laughs) Well, the mental things vata, because that's what my mind is and the physical things kapha. Okay. So are there mental like lifestyle changes that you can make? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Ayurveda, what we hear about it a lot is the the eating stuff. Right. That's only one part of it. Just like in yoga, only one part of it is asana. It's like whole eight limbs. So with Ayurveda, a lot of it are these practices that you do every single day. That's actually the most important thing. So like tongue scraping, dry brushing, oil pulling, all of these practices are really what balances your body. You can create a diet that's tridoshic, that works for all three doshas. And that's how you can, you know, because no one's family, everyone's the same dosha. You can just create meals that are balanced and then work on balancing your own doshas with your everyday lifestyle practices. Hmm. I found it interesting. You know, I did your quiz and I thought that it was really fun and fascinating that you actually describe different exercises for different doshas. Mm-hmm. which I had never really thought of before. But ironically, you know, you said for my Vata mind that doing yoga-esque things would benefit me, which is the opposite of what I gravitate towards, which you even wrote in the blog post or whatever about it. You were saying that Vatas will gravitate towards like running and spinning and all that kind of stuff. But what we really need is like the grounding yoga. Exactly. Yeah. So I like to think of it like a pendulum swinging in two ways. And one way is balance and the other way is imbalance. So the more balanced you are, the more you naturally want the things to bring you further into balance. And the more imbalanced you are, the more you crave things that bring you out of balance. So if you're already out of balance, you're way too vata, you're going to want to keep that vata going because it's like you're getting this sort of like energy rush and high, and then that's imbalancing your vata more. So then you crave more of it and it's like this cycle. So you have to switch the pendulum so it starts swinging the other way. And that's through including grounding foods in your diet. So like fruit, vegetables, like sweet potato and beets and parsnip. And literally when you you think of grounding, think of foods that are grown under the ground, right? Like they have roots, like they're earthy. You need to invoke that in your, in your body. So the best, easiest way is through your diet, but then also in your life, like grounding, even yoga postures. There's a lot of vata yoga poses as well. In my book, I have a whole section, a chapter on yoga poses for each dosha. Wow. Um, But yeah, like for example, lots of the moon series, like, you know, half moon and like third um, warrior three and stuff. They're very Mm -hmm. vata. It's like floating, fleeing, flying, and you need more grounding like malasana, which is like the deep squat and things that like, Mm -hmm. like warrior two, things that are building strength, especially in your legs, because that's your trunk Mm -hmm. connecting you to earth. Wow. This is all so, so, so fascinating. So if somebody's listening right now and they want to find out what their doshas are or 
Is it what they are or what they're imbalanced in? What their dosha constitution is. Right. I don't know. I guess I'm a little confused. So you say that you are born with a certain constitution, but then you also said that we naturally as humans go through kind of the same thing where we start, you know, we call kapha to pitta to vata. But then you also said that sometimes, you know, we can get out of balance and we can be more dominant in things but we'd want the goal would be, I guess, to work to counteract that and bring it and like lessen a vata um, like boost, if you will. So I guess I'm a little confused because those sound like three different things. So look at the easiest way is look at what the imbalance is. So like na- like name any kind of imbalance someone might have who's listening. Um, bloating. Bloating. So that's vata. So right. definitely they have too much vata in their systems and they need to follow a vata pacifying diet. But does that mean that they're born just naturally high in vata? If they were born naturally high in vata, they're probably more likely to have bloating. Uh-huh. But if that's not a problem for them, then their vata is balanced and they don't mm. have to worry about it. So just oh. look at whatever the imbalance is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you were born vata, but you're following all of the vata pacifying diet and lifestyle stresses, you have no problem, no bloating, no gassing, no, no anxiety, nothing, then great. Just like keep up what you're doing. Oh. This is a system of bringing you back into balance. I see. So when you take the quiz, which everybody should do, where do we find the quiz? It's on my website, IamSahararose.com. And then we'll just find it there. Yeah, it's pretty prominent. Yeah, it's, it's like awesome. the first thing that it's comes so up. It's so fun. Yeah. It's like puts those Cosmo personality quizzes to shame. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone were to take their quiz like I did, you know, I realized that I was Vata Pitta. Does that mean that I'm imbalanced right now currently in my Vata and Pitta and I should work, I should look at lifestyle changes and dietary changes to that are specific to balance those two? Well, do you have any imbalances? I like anything that you're trying to address? Um, I would say I'm maybe holding on to a few extra pounds at the moment. Okay. Um, holding on to a few extra pounds, a lot of it is like our definition of what is versus like what's actually healthy in the body. Because mm. a lot of us want to be skinnier than our bodies were meant to be. <laughs> um, so with Ayurveda, it's this huge phenomenon that there's so many vata imbalance people right now because we're all trying to lose weight and do the spinning classes and the running and this and that and go on the juice cleanses, mm. trying to make our bodies into vatas when they are not. Ooh. So that's why it's the most prevalent imbalance that I see right now, especially among women. And that's why so many women have bloating and digestive issues and this and that. And they're like trying to figure out ways. So they go on more juice cleanses and just makes them more vata. So what you might want to weigh is maybe not what your body wants you to weigh. For example, for me, I was trying to make my body weigh something that it didn't and it led to a host of issues. Mm -hmm. So you have to find the right weight that your body is comfortable. It's in homeostasis, that it has the energy that it needs for its everyday function. For example, if you're born with more kapha, you energetically need to hold on to more fat on your body. Your body needs that to function. And if you go under that, your period goes away and your hormones get imbalanced and all of these other issues come to be. However, if you're someone who's actually overweight, that means you're kapha imbalance and you should follow some kapha pacifying suggestions. What would those types of suggestions look like? So kapha is earthy, it's dense, it's cool. So they need the opposite food. So light, stimulating, so lots of like spices, like ginger and turmeric and things like that, because these literally like increase your metabolic rate. 
And then also foods that grow in the spring because those are very light and airy foods. So lots of leafy greens and sprouts and berries and things like that. And they want to stay away from dairy for sure, like bread, carbs, things like that. And even too much fat, like a lot of people they do like coconut oil in their tea and coffee. That's not for kaffas. Interesting. But not for kaffas in kaffa imbalances for people with excess kaffa right now. Right. But if you are born more kaffa, you're more likely to have a kaffa imbalance because you naturally are already high in it. Gotcha. That makes sense because when I get you know out of balance, my vata gets crazy. So when I am out of balance, it's really anxiety that's like my, my strongest uh, problem. And I guess that's a perfect vata thing. That's vata. Very vata. Yeah. Right. So you know, what are some of the best foods, I guess, for each doses, doshas? I keep saying doses. <laughs> what are doses well, not, good not for? Doses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so vatas. So basically think of the opposite qualities. So vata, since it's very cold and dry and light, they need warm, moist, heavy grounding. So okay. lots of soups and curries and root vegetables and roasted vegetables. And they need to stay away from anything that's crunchy, like popcorn and chips and too many, anything icy, they need to stay away from. All three doshas really should stay away from ice, but especially vata. So like ice cold smoothies and just like eating salads and like cold foods all day is going to make their vata out of balance. Okay. Then pittas, um, since they're really fiery, they need to stay away from foods that are going to bring up their body's temperature more. So no spicy foods for them. So pittas naturally probably gravitate towards spicy foods and they love like cayenne and sriracha and like all these things, but it's the opposite of what they need. And also acidic foods like tomatoes and oranges and things like that will also throw their bodies out of balance. And then also gun, um, onions and garlic are two foods. They're very pungent foods. And um, those are other foods that will, they kind of increase of quality called rajas, which is aggression. So they recommend for people who are on a yogic path, meaning you're someone who's like dedicating your life to spiritual practices, they cannot consume onions and garlic. Huh. I feel like I knew that. I thought it was like religious related. Well, a religion called Jain, um, which is like an ancient Indian religion sect of Hinduism, they do not eat onions and garlic because they're so spiritual and it's, it's ingrained in the religion, but Ayurveda predates any religion. It's much older than Hinduism or Jainism or anything. And it was actually because when you eat onions and garlic, you have this aftertaste in your mouth mm. and you can't go as deep into your meditation practice if you have this taste because we are always affected by our own scent. We're always sweating out the foods that we consume. So if you are eating a lot of onions and garlic and pungent foods, and that includes meat, mm -hmm. then you're always breathing in the scent of that sweat that's in your system. It's the food particles, and that's going to disrupt your meditative practice. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like in general, kind of the rule of thumb, correct me if I'm wrong, is that like whatever you crave do the opposite. Like, you know, like if you are a vata and you crave running, which I naturally do, then do the yoga, which is not what you crave. It's the opposite. Is that kind of right? If you are out of balance. Okay. Because when you're in balance, then you crave the, the things that bring you back into balance. So the way to know, yeah, the way to know is it, do you have imbalances or not? So let's say you're super anxious and you just want to go for a run. That might temporarily relieve your anxiety, but over time, it's teaching your body to run and move and go faster, and it's actually creating a small amount of stress. 
But the better way long term is I'm not saying don't go on runs, but also counterbalance that with just like long like stretches and more grounding activities. Because if you teach your body that every time I'm stressed out, I run, that's going to actually not really teach your body how to deal with it and sit with it, you know? Totally. So what would you say are the best exercises for each um, dosha? Yeah, I have an article about this on my website, but basically vatas need as you mentioned, the grounding, strengthening. Also, vatas need some some sort of strength training exercise because mm-hmm. they naturally have brittle joints and, and they don't put on muscle as easily. So they need to practice. If it's not with weights, just with their own body weight, you know, like doing like push-ups and squats and chaturangas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, pittas, pittas are super competitive. So like they probably are like the one in the front of the yoga class and a handstand <laughs> the whole time. So they need to just like chill. So anything that's like a yin yoga class where you like hold a pose for a long time, even a Pilates class where you like go slow and you're like really articulating every single point of your spine. That's really good for pittas. Then a kapha who doesn't want to exercise, they're the ones who should be going on the runs and the hit classes. And Say the opposite of what so you crave. <laughs> right. If you're out of balance, but let's say you're a kapha and you like, you were overweight and you lost all the weight and now you love to exercise, then you're going to want to keep exercising because you know how horrible it feels to feel like lazy and like lethargic. Mm -hmm. Man, this is all so fascinating. So it's all really about, as we keep saying, we'll just say it again, about bringing our bodies into balance and our minds. Yes, exactly. So do you believe then that we can achieve balance? Like that's a thing we can actually get and live in? For sure, definitely. A lot, a lot of people are doing it. And keep in mind that once you're in balance, it's not like I, I reached it. I never have to work on anything again. It's like a constant thing that you're working with every single day. Cause every day, you know, especially as women, we have periods and all these things. So it's like you're always needing to check in. For example, if you've been traveling a lot, that's going to bring your vata up because it's the unpredictability. Mm-hmm. But the more aware you are of your body, the easier it is that if you do something that throws your body off balance, you can get right back into it. That makes sense because what you keep saying to me is, well, what should blah, blah, blah do? And you're like, well, what's the imbalance? So it's right. it's about – it sounds like you know you just address imbalances. I guess it's like how do you know if it's an imbalance or if it's just a personality trait? Like if I – naturally speak really fast and have a very active mind and are prone to some anxiety, is that really an imbalance or is that just like who I am and like I'm chill, you know, living this way? Well, speaking fast and having an active mind is just who you are. That's great. Anxiety is not something who you are. Anxiety is an imbalance. Anxiety mm-hmm. is your mind is is overactive and you're not able to control it. So it's future tripping essentially. And that's an imbalance that needs to be addressed. But naturally just being like creative and stuff like that, that's who you are. And there's no need to change that. That's you. That's part of your dharma. A lot of, uh, of Ayurveda, which is like the second half of my book, is these traits that you were given were given to you for a reason. Mm. So you can fulfill your life purpose with them. So you as a natural communicator, of course, it's your life purpose to have these traits. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So, you know, just to shift gears for one second, I know that some Ayurvedic spices are like having a moment right now. I mean, like turmeric really is. So I'm wondering yeah. if there are other Ayurvedic herbs and spices that you suggest we eat more of to heal some of our imbalances. Or, I mean, is turmeric really as awesome as people are, you know, thinking is like golden milk is like the thing right now? 
Totally. I think turmeric is great because it's tridoshic. It works for every single person. Everyone will find some sort of benefit for it, whether it's anti-inflammatory, even belly fat loss, so many great benefits to it. Um, my favorite thing to make is CCFT. So that's cumin, coriander, and fennel seeds. Just do half a teaspoon of each in about four cups of hot water. Let it steep for like 10 minutes. It's tridoshic, so it works for any kind of dosha, any kind of imbalance. And it's so good for your digestive system. It helps your body actually absorb the nutrients of the foods that you are consuming better. So yeah. it relieves any any excess gas in our system. So a lot of us, we just have all this air that's stuck in our GI tracts from times that we ate too fast, ate with our mouth open, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it relieves that gas, stimulates our digestive fire, but the coriander and fennel is cooling enough that it doesn't aggravate the pitta. So CCFT is like the best thing you could do. So you, you drink it? You drink it. It's just tea. Cool. All right. So that's, you'd say that over uh, golden milk or whatever. I mean, golden milk is also great. It's just different. Like golden milk, typically you add like almond or coconut milk or something mm -hmm. like that. It's like more of, I would say, like a thing that you do on its own. Like it's sort of like a meal, you know, um, not a meal, but like it's like you have that at night as like, oh, it's like my golden milk. Right. Whereas CCFT is like you can just like be drinking it all the time with just like as your water. Is that what you do? Yeah, for sure. Like I always on my um, stove, like I just like throw on like, let's say I even cook fennel. I'll use the fennel fronds and I'll just boil them in water and I'll just drink that throughout the day. Well, fennel is like the bomb.com for IBS and other digestive issues for sure. Yes. Yeah. So the fennel seeds are actually even more potent. Well, they give them to you at Indian restaurants after you eat usually. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's so sad because Indian food has strayed so far from Ayurveda. Like people think like, oh, if I just go to an Indian restaurant, it's like Ayurvedic, but like not at all. <laughs> like a lot of the fennel seeds are like coated in sugar. Oh God. But it's still based off of the principles of like, you know, after you eat a meal, probably the worst thing you can do is like eat ice cream after. But, no! you know, like- Sometimes you do it, but if you want to have that ice cream, Ayurveda would say like have it with like tea and on its own. Like don't have it after your body's already full of like a veggie burger or whatever. Huh. Well, on that note, so there are foods that people say you should avoid in Ayurvedic philosophy. So it sounds like you've said numerous times pretty much like anything cold. Does that mean smoothies, banana ice cream, iced matcha lattes, everything like that? Yeah. I mean, Ayurveda would warn against that um, just because it's the same as if you go to traditional Chinese medicine, it's all about heating up that fire. Like I'm less strict. I'm like, okay, like sometimes in your life you want to have those things. It's just doing it in the right way. So if you have ice cream, just make sure it's not after a meal, have some hot tea before and after. So you're like at least lessening what it does to your system. But yeah, before I would do smoothies and fill it up with ice and I don't do that anymore. And I've noticed my digestion is so much better for the rest of the day. So why is the cold so bad? It just destroys our digestive fire. Okay. So when you took your temperature last, like how many degrees were you? I have no idea. Like how many degrees is like the typical person? It's the name of a famous boy band. <laughs> 98 degrees. <laughs> 98 degrees. Um, so your internal organs, your body temperature is at least 98 degrees. At least that's in your mouth and your system. It's even more. How many degrees is something that has to turn into ice? Very cold. Yeah. Like below 30. <laughs> right. So it could be 30 degrees, could be colder. Now imagine how much energy your body's going to have to come up with to bring something that's 30 degrees to 100 degrees. Right. 70 degree difference. Interesting. That your body has to do. 
your body can do it. Your body can do anything. It's a rock star. Mm -hmm. But that energy is going to take away from the energy it could have used on digestion. Right. So it's just trying to heat up this ice that's going through it so it can assimilate to the internal temperature of your body. And that's less energy for your body to like digest and absorb the nutrients and get rid of the toxins and everything it needs to do with digestion. Mm. 80% of our daily energy expenditure goes to digestion. Right. So you want all of your energy to go towards it. It helps you with everything. Digestion is the cornerstone of life. In Ayurveda, they say it's not what you eat, but you are what you digest. Right. Totally. Even if you're eating all this kale and stuff like that with ice, chances are you're only absorbing a very small amount of it because all of your energy is going towards heating up the the ice. Mm, It's the opposite of a raw diet. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean... Ayurveda is definitely against a raw raw diet. And I'm not like a strict Ayurveda person at all because I understand it existed in a time and place. In India, really no one can eat raw foods. It's unheard of because of the bacteria in the soil. And today, bacteria in the soil is different. I mean, a lot of it, including the good bacteria, is unfortunately gone. So we don't have the same risks that Ayurveda warned against, which is why they said don't eat raw foods. So we can eat raw foods, but it's just balancing it, making sure it's not like if you eat raw foods and you feel bloated afterwards, it's not for you. If you eat them and you feel fine, then it's for you. People who are more pitta do much better with raw foods than vatas and kapha. Is this why like after salads, so many people feel like they need something? Kind of like you were saying with acai bowls and you need the cookie after or the almond butter. Because I think myself and many other people I've spoken to, clients, whatever, like after a salad, they're like, I just need something. Mm-hmm. Is that the balance thing? You know, you're eating the dry, cold salad and you your body's just naturally craving, craving something more dense and warm. Exactly. So um, I won't go deep into this because it's a whole other topic. But in Ayurveda, there's like six tastes that you need to eat every single day. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent, which are the same tastes that you learn in culinary school. Right. Um, but if you're only eating salads, you're only getting bitter, astringent, you know, maybe pungent if there's onions and garlic, but you're not getting the sweet taste. Sweet does not mean candy, but it means like like even bread or sweet potatoes and things like that. So that's why if you're not getting it in a healthy form, you're not eating root vegetables or quinoa mm-hmm. or something like that, you're going to crave it in an unhealthy form, which is like like chocolate after or just bread or something like that. So really what they're lacking in is they're lacking in that balance of taste. They need something Mm. sweet. So that's why for me, when I was a raw vegan, I would like fantasize over like brownies all day long. (laughs) Like I would like go on Pinterest and spend my days looking at all of these desserts. And, (laughs) you know, it was like what I did for fun. And it was like a blast. (laughs) Yeah. And it's because my body was, was, Everything I ate was just green and I had no form of healthy carb in my diet that my body wanted just like the most easy form of sugar possible, you know? Yeah. Wow. Again, it's all about balance, baby. Yeah. All about the balance. So, okay. So your book, I mean, we just covered so much in this conversation. What more could your book possibly discuss? Oh, girl, it's like a 400-page book. Wow. So it's like the Bible of Ayurveda. It's Well, it's the Idiot's Guide to it. Yeah. So the Idiot's Guides are, people are like, why would you call your book an Idiot's Guide? It's actually the name of the series. There's right. like Idiot's Guide to everything. Of so course. People don't know like, that. 
<laughs> yeah, people are like, that's very offensive. Oh my I'm gosh. Like, you need to chill There's out. like an idiot's guide to knitting, an idiot's guide to scrapbooking, to golf. I mean, it's everything. That's amazing. You got the idiot's guide to Ayurveda. There hasn't been one. Yeah, and they're now wow. there one. And they the story of how they found me is like insane. Yeah. They they found me like randomly. Like they had a c- author who was writing it and it was just too much work and she quit four months in. You got six months to write the book. Oh. So they needed someone to finish the book in two months and she hadn't turned in anything. Oh my God. So like it was literally like the Ayurvedic gods channeled down through me and I got this book done. And I mean, it was an amazing experience because it really also motivated me to practice every single thing. Cause there were a lot of things of Ayurveda I knew, but I wasn't like doing. So mm-hmm. while I was writing it, I was like, okay, I can't write about this and not do it. So it totally amped up my own like self-care practice. Oh, and most cool. people when they write books are like the opposite and they right. don't, but it's like doing all the things. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in the book, it talks about like, what is Ayurveda? Like, do you even need to be a vegetarian? Like, how do you do these things? But then it goes into the foods, like the nutritional imbalances, the self-care practices, morning routines, night routines, Mm. and then also the whole spiritual practice, this whole spiritual side of Ayurveda. So the whole point of all of this is so we can be the best versions of ourselves. Like my podcast called the highest self podcast. It's about being your highest self. Yeah. There's point of, you know, eating all the best foods in the world and then like you're healthy and then what? You're not doing anything with it. So that's, the point of all this, it's not to just obsess about <laughs> qualities and what temperature your food is. These are all just tools so you can go out there and make a difference in the world. I love that. That's amazing. And that's exactly why I do what I do too. I mean, I always say I help you eat more plants so you can live a life as great as a party. There's no point in putting the effort into eating healthy and doing all these things that bring your body into balance and make it feel its best. You've, like you said, if you're just going to sit around and do nothing, you know, we, we do this so we can be the best possible, happiest versions of ourselves in the world. And I, I love that. Exactly. And, and I didn't realize how ingrained it was into Ayurveda. It's always something I believed in too. I even called my first website, Eat, Feel Fresh. You're only as fresh as what you eat. But as I researched more about Ayurveda, I saw like the spiritual side of it is like amazing. Like they, for example, there's, I won't confuse everyone else, but there's something called koshas, which are like layers outside of your body. So you know how like you have like an intuitive feeling about something yes, and like maybe you ignore it and then it like, it's more profound and then like something like really bad happens and you're like, oh my God, if I had realized it when I just had that intuitive feeling, this bad thing wouldn't have happened. I have that all the time, except mine usually on really small scales. Like I'll just a fun little tidbit. Like I'll see that my boyfriend's wallet is on the dresser and we're leaving the house and like, we don't need it. We're just doing walking the dog or something. And I'm like, maybe I should take it. But then I don't. And then we need the damn wallet. That happens to me like probably way more than I would like. And now I've just started being like any instinct whatsoever. You better adhere to it, Missy, because like there have been way too many times where I'm like, you're such an idiot. Like you thought about doing it and you didn't do it. Exactly. So these are your, your koshas, which is what they call it. It's basically the layers outside of your body. So first you have this like intuitive body, which is like this, like sort of like feeling. And then it turns into like an actual thought of like, Talia, maybe you should get that wallet. And then it turns into the physical, oh my God, we need this wallet. I should have done it. So there's practices you can do to strengthen that intuitive channel of you. So you never have to get to the point that like mess up happens. 
I love it. So does your book talk about koshas? Yes, yes. Koshas, Sick. chakras, everything. Chakras, really, oh gosh, that's something I yes. don't understand either. We'll have to talk about another time. Yeah, we'll do that another time because <laughs> it's a whole other system. Yes. But it basically, wow. it's for someone who has never heard of the word Ayurveda. They don't know anything about it. And by the end of it, they're going to straight up be a guru. So Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. I cannot wait to get my mitts on it because I didn't even yes. know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, actually at the beginning, I, the first thing I write, I'm like, Ayurveda, like how do you even pronounce that? So Perfect. You're, everyone's in the same boat I'm as I'm your you. target reader. <laughs> I know. I was the same. <laughs> That's awesome. So to shift gears just a little bit before I let you go, I'm curious if you have a favorite plant party restaurant. I know you live in LA. Is there a place where you get to go um, that you love to eat plants? Oh my God. Like so many. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone has had Cafe Gratitude and Real Food Daily, right? right. Yep. Um, Beaming is just my favorite. It's not a restaurant. It's a superfood cafe. Oh, cool. So I don't know if anyone's mentioned that before, but they have the most amazing acai bowls, smoothies, things like that, because they have low glycemic options for everything. Mm. So they replace banana with avocado. Awesome. And yeah, so you can get an acai bowl that's has no banana, has avocado. They use like some yacon syrup and they have the most amazing raw vegan cookies like on planet earth. Like I always tell my boyfriend, like if I was on death row, like this is what I want. (laughs) It's so good. Oh man. Um, All right. I'm going to have to hit that up. Beaming. Yeah. They they have like a chia pudding bar. Oh wow. Where is it? Um, there's three locations, oh, cool. but there's one uh, in Santa Monica. There's one in West Hollywood. There's one in Brentwood. I was just out there. I missed it. You yes, have I, to go. I went to Cafe Gratitude twice, like an idiot, instead of going to Beaming. Did you get the I Am Whole? No, I actually went for breakfast twice. Oh my God, you need to get the I Am Whole bowl. It's like the best. It's like what everyone goes there for, but it's also extremely Ayurvedic. Like whenever I suggest a meal for someone, I'm like, it's the I Am Whole bowl because it mm. comprises of the six tastes that you need that afterwards you truly feel whole. Like you don't want anything else. You feel so satisfied because it has sweet potatoes, which is sweet, uh, salty, which is the sea vegetables, sour, which is like the garlic, lemon, tahini, like it has everything. So a macro bowl is really the epitome of an Ayurvedic meal. Yes, because macrobiotics is also an elemental ancient wisdom and they all actually stem from Ayurveda. They just went through the Chinese scholars came to ancient India and they studied Ayurveda and they went and they created their own system. Then macrobiotics followed. So they're all based on the same principles of like our bodies are extensions of the planet. I love it. And macro bowls are so easy to come across these days. Totally. Like I feel like everywhere has them now because it's like so many people don't feel satisfied with that salad, but Mm -hmm. with the bowl, it's like a game changer. Game changer to the max. Yes. So that said, what is your favorite plant to eat? Oh, so many. Um, I've really been loving collard greens recently because you can just make amazing wraps in them. You can just throw avocado in there. You can put like anything in a collard green. It's just so good. And it's like, it's like a leafy green that you can just eat raw, but it's like not hard to digest, even though it's so hearty. So I've been really been feeling those. I'm feeling that. That's great. Great idea. I used to do that a lot when I was raw vegan, like many, many years ago. And I feel like I kind of forgot about it. You can even put cooked vegetables vegetables. Yeah. Why not? YOLO. What is your most used kitchen tool? Um, well, I just got an instant pot, which is pretty cool. Do you know what an instant pot is? Uh, No, I don't. So it's basically (laughs) like I found it on Amazon. It 
it's like a slow cooker, pressure cooker, yogurt maker, steamer, sauteer, everything you could ever want in one thing. So I straight up don't need to use my stove or oven anymore. What? You can make you can make a cake in there. You can make yogurt in there. Like oh. I made coconut yogurt yesterday. Oh my god. So freaking cool. So I've been loving that. Like yesterday, um, I made like an apple cobbler in that. I've, you can saute vegetables. So if you make soup, you can like saute the onions in there and then add the other stuff and then pressure cook it or slow cook it. And you can put it, let's say you're going to be gone. You can set it for 10 hours and come back and it will keep it warm. It does everything. You sound like an infomercial. I know. I'm like straight up not sponsored. I like paid my own money (laughs) to buy them. I just love it so much. Like all my Instagram stories are like, look what I did with my instant pot. Cool. So it's called an instant pot. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to have to check yeah, that that's out. The one that makes the yogurt. They have like different versions, but the yogurt one is bomb. That's so cool. I can't believe I've never heard of it. I had never heard of it too. I was just looking for a slow cooker on Amazon and just like came across this. Wow. I feel like more, it's a hidden gem. It really is. Yeah. The interwebs. They should pay but you now that I, Now that I post about it, so many people are like, oh, I love doing this with mine. So it's like this unspoken thing that everyone has and does not talk about. That's really like, Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's like a sh- they need to change the name. They need to rebrand it. Yeah. I know. I've like emailed them. I'm like, I want to collaborate with you. And they're like, sorry, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, okay. I'll still shout you out all the time. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so what's a book that has inspired you in some awesome way? Um, oh, wow. Well, in a health way? Sure. I mean, just all of these Ayurveda books, like the first Ayurveda book I read was Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. He wrote this book in like 1991. So it's 26 years ago now. And it's still so prevalent. And then like now Deepak Chopra wrote the foreword to my book. And he's like, yeah, and, and him and I are doing this like 31 day challenge, which I think by the time this podcast will air, will be done. But it's just so amazing to see it kind of come full circle of like the person that I grew up reading an wow. Ayurveda book about is now <laughs> wrote the forward to my Ayurveda book. So How cool. It's- Good for you. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yay. So where can everyone go to get their modern Ayurveda on? So um, my Instagram is I am Sahara Rose and I am sahararose.com. And if you just go on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or any major bookstore, you just ask for the idiot's guide to Ayurveda, you will see it. Perfect. I love it. And it's it's so fun to follow you. You're huge on the Instagram story. So there's a lot to learn. Yes. I awesome. love the story. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your modern ancient wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me and providing this amazing platform for necessary conversations like this to happen. Oh, thanks. And I hope you start practicing some Ayurveda things. It's a little less confusing for you now. I know. I think it will be. I think I got this. Yes. Well, you can always let me know if you have any questions. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I hope you're feeling above anything else, just really stinking curious to learn more about Ayurveda. The show notes are pretty thorough, so check those out at partyinmyplants.com slash 50. And Sahara's new book is even more thorough, so you can check that out also at partyinmyplants.com slash 50. Know what else you might want to check out that I want to check out too? What it would be like to do the exact opposite of what I crave when I'm out of balance. So interesting. Anyway, there is no link for checking that out. But for everything else, partyinmyplants.com slash 50 is where it's at.